there, and welcome back to another episode of Pint Sized Podcast. I'm Kelly Wise, the head honcho at Pint Sized Sites, and I'm here to answer your questions about WordPress and websites. Today we're going to talk about themes and choosing themes. Now, in my business, I've narrowed down the themes I allow my clients to choose from to pretty much Genesis child themes or a fully custom theme. Now, I'm pretty adept at modifying Genesis child themes at this point, and the parent theme works really well, so that's allowed me to continue to offer sites at reasonable prices for smaller businesses that don't have huge budgets. Um, And there's also a huge selection of child themes to start from, so that allows my clients a lot of variety of themes to choose from. Now, the fully custom stuff is, of course, completely custom and I'm in full control of the code, so I should actually know my way around it, right? For most of you, however, um, creating your own theme from scratch or from a starter like underscores is not a real alternative because you're not a web designer. You're just a small business looking to get um, a nice looking website and you're looking to either buy or download a theme. You probably don't want to mess with the code at all. Okay, so I get that. Now, in that case, then Genesis might be a stretch for you because it either might be out of your price point or you might find it a little intimidating or to customize any of the the child themes is going to require a little more programming than you feel comfortable with. Well, that's fine because fortunately for you, there are thousands, I mean, literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of themes to choose from. In fact, one of the biggest marketplaces out there has like 25,000 themes to choose from. And those are the premium themes, but there's also, you know, 5,000 or so free themes on the WordPress repository. And, you know, that's a lot of themes to choose from. And that's turned into a real problem because when you send people off or, you know, when new people start a website and they're looking at themes and, and, you know, people will point them, oh, go to the repo or go to these theme marketplaces and look. What happens is they come back and, and their eyes have glazed over and they've just started babbling and they're like, I don't even know where to start. There are so many themes to pick from. I don't know how to pick a theme. And that's become a real problem. Now, That's the big question for this episode is, how do I choose a WordPress theme? Now, in the last four weeks at various WordPress meetups and various business owners I know, um, and a couple of people have emailed me, I've been asked this same question multiple times, right? How do I choose a WordPress theme? So I'm not even gonna give you one listener's name. If, If you haven't asked it, you probably want to. So we're just gonna, you know, say to everybody out there, you've asked the question, here's your answer. So we're going to talk today uh, a little bit about how to wade through the the dizzying array of themes. I've always wanted to use that phrase, a dizzying array of themes, and how to narrow down your choices. And I'm not going to give you like, go look at this theme or go to this marketplace or anything. I'm just going to give you some criteria to think about when you're looking at Uh, picking a theme. Now, first, before we get in too deep on looking at this criteria, um, I want to explain a key difference between themes and plugins in WordPress. Now, 
according to WordPress.org, they have a, a document out there for people that are theme designers and want to submit the theme to WordPress to put on the repository. Um, so they have a, a really nice guideline of what the difference is between a theme and a plugin. And a theme will take the content and data stored by WordPress and display it in the browser. Okay, that's it. That's what a theme should do. Take your content, which is the words and the pictures, and make them look good. That's, that's what a theme does, right? Now, a plugin controls the behavior and features of your WordPress website. It adds functionality. Things like a contact form or an event calendar or a slideshow. Um, that's, that's what a plugin does, is it adds functionality to the site. It does not, you know, and a theme takes care of the pretty. All right. And I have a link to that particular document on wordpress.org if you want to read more information or if you're a theme designer and thinking about submitting. So according to this document, any theme you create should not add critical functionality. Doing so means that when a user changes their theme, they lose access to that functionality. And that's very, very important. Um, because at some point in the lifetime of your website, you're likely to switch themes. And I know people that switch themes every couple of months because, well, I guess they haven't found the perfect theme for them yet. Other people, they just like to mix it up. I know I change my theme oh, every 12 to 24 months. On average, it's about 18 months, right? So it's best practice to put the functionality that your website needs in a plugin and let the theme take care of the appearance. And, and I'll talk a little bit later about what some of the functionality would be best served in a plugin. Okay. So now that we've cleared up that, that little topic and of not adding all of, you know, not letting the theme be everything to your website. Now let's take a look at what you should consider when you're looking for a theme. Now, the first thing I want you to consider is what features and functionality do you need from your website? Need, not want. Okay. So as a starter, your work, your website needs to be responsive. That means it, it, it adjusts its appearance depending on the screen size. Okay. Gone are the days of pinch and zoom. Um, when I wanted to look at your website on a smartphone, nobody pinches and zooms anymore. So today's websites are going to resize their elements. They're going to move things around. They'll make changes to things like the menus where you'll get that little hamburger thingy. They call it the hamburger menu. Um, and it'll just generally be a lot easier to use for normal size fingers on different size screens. The other critical thing is that the search engines now and Google in particular will um, count against you if your site is not responsive. So you definitely want a responsive theme. Now responsive is functionality that is an appearance issue. And so it's best left for the theme to do. So I want you to write down on your list of criteria that you're looking for on a website on a web theme is responsive and responsive needs to be top on the list. Okay. The next thing you want to do is you want a theme that isn't ugly. 
Now, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, okay? But let's try to shy away from butt ugly, okay? There are websites out there that are dedicated to showcasing really ugly websites. Don't be on that list, okay? Just saying. So if it's not ugly, then it must be attractive, right? Well, yeah, but that caveat is that it must be visually appealing to your target visitor. Okay, you might love puppies and rainbows, but your target visitor doesn't. So you'll want to make sure that the website is appealing to the target visitor. Okay, the website should reflect your personality or your company's personality, whichever. And it should reflect your visitors' aspirations or, you know, what it is they want out of your your product or service. So punk bands and day spas are going to have a different aesthetic choice in web themes unless you have a punk day spa which is a thing okay it really is and good on you for doing that but in general um punk bands are going to have a lot of black with white text and red stuff thrown around and day spas are going to have soft greens and bamboo and those stacked stones sort of thing so they're going to have a different aesthetic appeal based on the people coming to visit. All right. And both of them can be very attractive. There's nothing that says that a punk site isn't attractive. It is right. And a day spa, it's attractive. All right. So what I'm trying and sort of failing to communicate here is if your favorite color is baby doll pink, and you're marketing motorcycle leathers to Harley Davidson riders, you might not want to use a lot of baby doll pink in your web design. Unless your niche is Harley riders who are into baby doll pink, in which case you should definitely use baby doll pink. So I'm sure that didn't clear it up. But anyway, so it should be attractive to you. It should reflect your company and it should be attractive to the people that are going to come and visit it. Okay. Now, one good question that was posed in a, uh, a recent WordPress meetup group uh, this last month was the trend right now in web themes and web design is minimalism. And I do love minimalism, but she wanted to know if she used a theme that wasn't minimal, um, would she look out of date? And a couple of people gave opinions, but the general consensus was, no, not really. Um, every design trend is just that. It's a trend, right? A few years ago, there were tons of things with drop shadows. And menus had it. All your containers had drop shadows. It gave the whole site a big 3D look. And then a couple of years ago, everything moved to flat design. And big blocks of colors. and Everything was flat. Nothing looked at all 3D. And then we moved into minimalism. And now drop shadows are making a very subtle comeback. Okay, so um, not always following the latest trend today may actually put you ahead of the trend for tomorrow. And personally, if the site is attractive and it's well designed, it doesn't have to be trendy. It doesn't have to be today's look. Uh, maybe what you're looking for is a more retro design, then go for it. You know, I'm just saying that it doesn't have to be, 
It doesn't have to look like every other website out there. It just needs to be attractive and usable to your audience. Now, however, if you're still using the old Kubrick theme, Kubrick isn't retro. Kubrick is just old and out of date. Go find something else, okay? But when we talk about the pretty, I don't want you to let the pretty get in the way of your website usability. Uh, I've seen websites that were just drop dead gorgeous, but they were completely unusable. They were too, um, too fussy about the design. You couldn't find the menu. You couldn't find the information you wanted. Um, you couldn't find a way to do business with them because the website was all about how it looked and not at all about how anyone was actually going to use it. So when you're picking a theme, find one that's attractive, but make sure that the information your visitors are looking for is easy for them to find and that the website is easy for them to use. Now, an example of a website that is attractive, but not drop dead gorgeous, but incredibly usable is Amazon. It's not a gorgeous website. It really isn't. I'm sorry to the guys that design it and they probably know it's not a drop dead gorgeous, going to be hung in, in a museum somewhere kind of website, but it does present the information that the shopper needs and it presents it in a way that they find it easy to use. So when you look at a product on Amazon, they feature the image, they've got the text that you need, and they've got the buy now buttons right where you want them, right? So the information is presented in a way that makes it easy for you to find the product you want, the information about it you want, and then to make the purchase. And that makes the site very attractive, okay? So that also brings it to usability, right? The theme should present the information your customer needs. There should be adequate menus. Now you don't need five or six menus in your website. You know, you need a big one at the top. You might need one in the footer, but you should have a means for your visitor to find their way around the site. Um, there should also be a place somewhere for your contact information. If you have a brick and mortar store, you should have a place somewhere on the page, probably every page for where your physical address is so that people can come in. The, the text should be readable and too many themes. They, again, they're going for design over usability. They're using a light gray text on a white background, which makes them very hard to, to read, or they're using very small text on that's very difficult for people over the age of 25 to read. So when you're looking at a theme, is it readable? Is it usable? Does it have places for the information that you need to make your business a success? Now, I also don't want you to get too hung up on the target industry. Now, there are themes out there that are marketed to the spa industry. Um, I don't want you to just walk away from them because you're not a, a day spa. There are um, features or attraction, you know, the, the site maybe um, have the right fonts and the right colors for your business, even though your business is in a day spa. Um, so one of the most used themes at Genesis is uh, Foodie Pro, uh, which is a, a restaurant based theme. Um, 
and most of the websites that I've seen using it aren't in the restaurant business. But the way that the information is presented um, is effective for a lot of different businesses. So a lot of these businesses have looked beyond the label, the target market of that theme, and decided that it provided the features their business needed. Okay. The next thing to look for in a theme is customiza customization or customizability, which I can never seem to pronounce properly, but there it is. Um, WordPress is beginning, it continues to make theme customization easier and easier for non-coders. They've started to aggregate all of that um, options into one little button called customize that allows you to make customization and see the, the results live. And theme developers can take advantage of that functionality and add some of the customization options into the customize. So when you're looking at a theme, you want to know what kind of customization you can do to that particular theme. Um, and this is all stuff that affects the appearance. So when you change themes, you're, you're going to be changing um, appearance. So customization, customizability of the theme is a feature you should be looking for in the theme. So things to look at for customization is can you change the colors? And are you restricted to just a handful of color schemes? You know, like there's a red, an orange, a yellow, a blue, a green, and a purple. Or do they let you choose from the full range of color codes available? So, you know, can you get it to match your logo or your branding? Or do you not really care? So if that's important to you um, to be able to change the colors, that's something you want to look at of are you restricted to a set number of color choices or do you have the full rainbow of colors? Um, a lot of themes are going to come with multiple page layouts. And by page layouts, it'll be, you know, does the content span the full width of the screen? Are there uh, widgets on the left? Are there widgets on the right? So that's your sidebar on the left or sidebar on the right. Sidebars on both. Now, those are important if you have a... Um, uh, a right to left language, you're going to want your sidebars on the left because logically that makes sense in a, in a right to left uh, language. But you'll want to know, do you have a page layout that you need? Now, if the theme doesn't offer a full page layout and that's really what you have your heart set on, you're going to want to look at a different theme. Okay. And there aren't a ton of different page layouts that you need to worry about, but having a couple would be handy. Um, can you add your logo? A lot of themes don't actually allow you to add your own logo. Or when they do add, let you add your own logo, they want it in a really teeny tiny version of it. So if you have a really complex logo, it's not going to re read very well on some of these themes. So these are all things to look at when you're looking at what you can customize in the theme. And that the end result is, can you tweak enough of the theme to make it yours and to make it usable for you? Okay. Um, there are some themes that come with drag and drop design features, and that's, that's a huge topic in and of itself. And there'll be another podcast on drag and drop themes, drag and drop page builders, drag and drop plugins. Um, it's just, it's too big to talk about here. Uh, I just, I just want to say that if you choose a drag and drop theme, 
you need to know what happens to your website when you change themes in the future. Uh, some of these themes, when you change away, when you deactivate that theme, will leave a mess of what's called short codes behind. And then you have to go in and manually edit all that stuff out, and it becomes very time intensive. Um, and then some of them, when you deactivate the theme, leave you without any content showing on the page. So drag and drop features, if you're going to pick a theme that has drag and drop, understand what happens when you leave the theme. Okay. And that brings me to something that we like to call theme lock. And this is where you're locked into a theme. And this is when I was talking about the functionality that belongs in the theme versus the functionality that belongs in a plugin. So there, there is some functionality in, in some commercial themes out there that are going to prevent you from changing themes in the future, right? One example I've seen are in restaurant themes. Um, I've seen a couple, couple of restaurant themes where uh, there's a, a menu functionality, not your navigation kind of menu, but um, the restaurant menu, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, happy hour menus. And it takes an awful lot of time to sit down and enter in every breakfast item you've got, the description and the price, and to keep that... that um, food selection list updated and current to add in your daily specials or your seasonal specials. And there's an awful lot that goes in there. And what's happening on these themes that are specific, that are adding this functionality is they have written the equivalent of a plugin into the theme that's creating a custom post type for the, the dinner menu and all the dinner menu items that are on there. So it's a lot of hours to add all that content in there. And then one day you want to change the theme. And when you deactivate the, um, the old restaurant theme, all of those menus that you've spent all those hours creating are gone because they were tied to the theme. So now you have to re-enter everything or you have to go back to the old theme. So that's what theme lock is, is when you have functionality that is critical to your website but that isn't really appearance-based, which is what the theme is supposed to take on. But it's critical to your website, but it's now tied to the theme. And so you can't change themes without losing all of that functionality or all of that data. So the best way for a restaurant to do this is to have a beautiful theme that takes care of the, uh, uh, the look and feel, and then to have a plug-in, which will allow them to create their breakfast, lunch, and dinner menus and display that information on whichever theme they choose. And that can be something like a custom post type plugin or there, there are likely real plugins available out there for restaurants that have been hard coded just for you guys. Really, because there are thousands of plugins. Pretty much if you need it, somebody's written it. So that's that's something to consider when you're choosing a theme. It's great that it has all of this stuff, you would think, but it actually locks you into the theme. So what drives theme developers to add all of that functionality into their themes? Well, users do, right? They don't understand the concept of theme lock or the downsides to bundling all of that functionality into the theme, right? It, it's one thing they install. 
You know, and then they can forget the whole web design task and get on with their business. And let's face it, you know, they, they don't want to be doing a lot of research on plugins. So for them, it feels easier. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a huge mistake and you will regret it at some point in the future. Trust me on this. Okay, so the theme designer will add the functionality in there because a client has asked for it somewhere. And the theme sells. And the next theme developer looks at it and says, wow, that guy's selling a lot of that theme. I'll add more functionality to my theme and I'll get more business that way. And then the next developer does the same thing, right? So on and on and on. And we have what I call a theme arms race, right? If you take a look at the theme marketplaces, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, right? Theme A has one slider, so theme B has two sliders, two different vendors' sliders, right? Theme C, C has, they have two sliders, plus they have a contact form, even though you could get a contact form plugin easy peasy. Now, th theme D has three sliders, a contact form, WooCommerce, and Visual Com Composer. Right, and on and on and on and on it goes. And so you have these themes that have so much functionality and so much bloat in them. And it's all done because people, when they're paying money for a theme, they're paying $65, they want to get the most out of that theme that they can. So ideally, you would have a pretty theme and then you would have plugins for your slider, for your contact form, for WooCommerce, and your drag and drop page layout. Now, theme lock not only locks you into a theme, but what happens when a theme, when a theme feature becomes a security risk, right? Because plugins, oftentimes they have a security vulnerability that somebody finds in them, right? An example would be like Revolution Slider plugin years ago. A lot of themes came with that slider bundled in. That means that the, the theme developer wrote all of the code for that slider into the theme. And that meant that there was no way for the user to remove that slider from the theme. You can just de deactivate that slider. The code was there, but there's a vulnerability in it. Now you're locked into a theme with a security vulnerability, or you have to pretty much scrap that theme and find a different one in order to get, a, get rid of the vulnerability. Now, if you've used a pretty theme and used a slider plugin, when they found a vulnerability in that slider, you could simply switch slider plugins, change out the short codes in your page, change out the slides, and you're good to go. The theme has stayed the same. And I've, I've done that on a couple of websites where they found a slider plugin that was a problem and or the slider plugin was no longer being supported by the developer, I just swapped out plugins. The theme actually stayed the same. So to my client, the only difference was just what it looked like on their end for adding slides. Easy peasy, right? So that's important why you don't want all that functionality built in the theme. Now, the last thing to consider and probably outside of being attractive, the most important is support. Now, does the theme developer keep the theme updated? Does he or she answer questions? And do, do the questions get answered in a timely manner, right? Uh, do bugs get addressed and fixed? 
You can read the reviews from other users on both the WordPress repository and in the theme marketplaces. Do they generally have a ton of five-star re reviews? Read some of the one-star reviews. If the one-star reviews were something along the lines of, you know, they're, they're angry with the marketplace, then it's not the theme developer's problem. If the one-star reviews are starting to become all the, the new reviews, then perhaps the developer has sort of bailed on supporting the, the theme, right? Support is important, right? If questions happen, how do you use something? Is there a problem? Are they keeping things updated? Is it going to work with the next version of WordPress? These are all important things. And questions happen. You know, I don't want to have to sit and figure out how to make their theme do what their demo says it should do. I want to be able to go and take a look. Do they have the documentation for it? Support is important. If I have a choice between two themes that are equally attractive and suitable, I am always going to pick the one that has the better support. In fact, if one theme is more attractive and more suitable but has no support, I'm likely going to choose its slightly less attractive competitor as long as I can get support from the developer. It's very important. So, support, big deal. Now to recap, what you're looking for in a theme is you definitely want a theme that's responsive. You want a theme that's attractive. You want a theme that has the right amount of customization. You want a theme that isn't going to lock you in so it doesn't need tons and tons and tons of features. You can add those with plugins. And you want a theme that has good ongoing support. So for all of you who have asked me that question on how to choose a theme, I hope this helped. And I want to thank you for um, your questions. They've been great. Um, and to thank you for listening. Yeah, even if you haven't asked me this question, I'm sure you are going to at some point. If you have questions or comments about what I've talked about in this episode, be sure to visit the website at pintsizedsites.com and go to the Area Marked podcast um, and you will see the show notes and a transcript and any links mentioned here. And you'll also find all the earlier episodes as well. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love to have you pop on over to iTunes or Stitcher or your podcast service of choice and leave a nice review. Five stars would be awesome, but I'm not going to pressure you. Just give me a review. Uh, leaving a review makes it easier for other people to find the program and to benefit from it. Now, if you have a question and you would like to get it answered, um, go to pintsizedsites.com and look in the top menu for ask a question. There's a contact form there. Again, it's a plug-in. It just fill out the form and if you're feeling like leaving your name, go ahead and leave your name. Otherwise, you don't have to. Anonymous questions are fine. And I'll find an answer to your question and um, have that as a future episode. So thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Kelly Wise and you've been listening to the Pint Sized Podcast.